This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Chuck Ford and Relate Church in Byron, Mississippi. For more information, please visit RelateChurch.com. Uh, hey, just want to invite you if, you, if you got one of these worship guides when you came in, there's also message notes in there, and you can take those out and follow along, just kind of help you stay focused on the message. If you're, like, uh, if you're like any of these kids on the front row, your mind's all over the place most of the time. I'm just kidding. And so uh, they just kind of help you keep focused on the message, you know, and you write things down. Plus, you just comprehend more, and you'll remember it better if you'll, if you'll write it down. So uh, in this survey that we did, by far, and, and, and I don't mean just by a little bit, by far, the number one thing, and, it's, and this has been on the list every year that we've done this for the last three years, but by far the most requested topic to hear taught on, preached on, or hear what God has to say about is how do I deal with stress? How do I deal with stress? And, and I don't mean by just a little bit. I mean this was the number one. Uh, th- this was the number one on the survey is how do I deal with stress? And so uh, evidently, stress is something that people are are facing. They're they're experiencing in their life and. Stress can come from a number of different places, and, and I know this for certain, that God did not design our bodies to carry stress. He, did, he didn't design it that way. As a matter of fact, there's Jesus, he talked about living a carefree life, a worry-free life, uh, a life without stress, and so it's very important that we, we learn to do that. And so what, what I'm not going to do today is teach you how to cope. You know, if you want to know how to cope, well, then you go buy a psychology book somewhere. But I'm not going to teach you how to cope because Jesus doesn't want you to learn to cope with stress. It's kind of like this. You know, I think we've become to expect that we should learn how to cope with debt or we should, how to, uh, we should learn how to cope with a, uh, an average or a below average marriage or we should learn how to cope with, you know, these little sicknesses or infirmities in our bodies, or, or we should just learn how to cope with stress, but we're not supposed to learn how to cope with those things. We're, you know, the, the Word of God teaches us to overcome. We, we are overcomers. We are victorious. We are to, we are to win, not just learn to, to coexist with it, but to really actually win over it where you don't have stress in your life, where you have a great marriage, where you, you're, you're healed and you're whole and you're healthy. And, and so uh, how many of you would rather win than just learn to live with it? How many of you want to win in life instead of just learning to live with it? So I'm, I'm not going to teach you how to cope with stress, but I am going to teach you how to deal with stress according to the Word of God and how to overcome it and just get it out of your life. And um, how many of that's, that, that sounds better than just learning to live with it? Good. So we're going to talk about this. And let me just, uh, you know, I think one reason that, that we have stress in our life is because the world that we live in is offering so many more things to occupy our time, to occupy our effort. There's expectations on us that, that we need to be doing certain things. And if we're not doing certain things, our kids are missing out or we're missing out. And that causes a, a lot of stress in our life. And so we don't need to live with that. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, a recent survey showed that, that the average adult today is going to work 181 hours more per year 
than the previous generation. That is one month of work more than people used to work. So, you know, just more, more hours. You, you know, it's not uncommon for, some people, uncommon for some people to work 60, 70, 80 hours per week. Well, there's nothing wrong with hard work. There's nothing wrong with it. The, the, the Word of God teaches us to work hard. Nothing wrong with working hard. But, uh, but it can get to a place where it's causing stress in our life. Amen. Uh, the survey says that, you know, that mothers, especially stay-at-home mothers, are faced with an insurmountable amount of stress and sleep deprivation, not enough sleep. And, and I know if you got moms at home and, and you got babies at home and maybe they're not sleeping through the night and men, they just, they just continue to snore and you're up and you're awake and, and uh, <clears throat> so a lot of stress there. And so we don't need to learn to cope with this. We need to, we need to deal with it. And here's, here, here's the takeaway. Here's the big idea. Here's the bottom line. It's all not going to fit in your life. Everything that, that, everything that we're doing, everything that we think that we need to do, it can't all fit in our life. It may be doable, but it's not sustainable. You know, you can live life at breakneck speed, and you can do that for a time, but you can't do that forever. Is that right? You, you can do it for a little while, but you can't do it forever. Uh, and let me read this verse to you in, in Job chapter 9, verse 25. And let me see if this kind of sounds like your life. He says, my days go by faster than a runner. They fly away without me seeing any joy. And, you know, that's where the majority of, of, of this nation, the people in this nation, you know, their, their days are going by faster than a runner. And they're not seeing any joy. We're not seeing any joy out of it. We're living life and we're living up to, you know, our expectations, someone else's expectations, society's expectations. And they were doing all this and it seems like the days are going by faster and faster. You know, as a matter of fact, Tammy and I are celebrating our 23rd anniversary today. We've been married for 23 years, happily five years, but we've been married for 23. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> But it just seems like, it, you know, it seems like just yesterday we were talking about it this morning, you know, our, our wedding day. I mean, it, it is, and the details of it are, are so vivid. And, and so I remember that day, and it just seems like it was, man, it, that wasn't 23 years ago. I mean, that's like over two decades ago. I mean, it, it couldn't have been 20. And so the years go by fast. The days go by fast. But here's the thing. Is there any joy? Are we experiencing joy in this life? And a lot of people, they're not experiencing joy. What they're experiencing is stress. And, and, and de debilitating stress. I mean, stress to the point that it's causing physical problems. It's causing relationship problems. And then the relationship problems are causing more stress. And then the stress is causing more relationship problems. And the relationship problems are causing more stress. And so it's this, this ugly, vicious, cancerous cycle that's just really taking its toll on our life. But we can't overcome. Uh, why are we so busy? You know, Tammy and I, we did without, our family did without cable t television for almost a year, almost this whole 
past year, we, we, we cut the cable and, and all I had was an, an antenna. So instead of getting 300 channels or whatever it is, we got three channels. And only two came in really good. But we, <clears throat> so, you know, when you only have two or three channels, how many of you, your decisions much easier than if you had 300 channels? I mean, it's just, what are we going to watch? Well, I don't know. It's either between, you know, this channel or this channel. So there's nothing on there we want to see. Guess what? Just turn the TV off. But I got cable back the other day because it's football season. So I, <clears throat> and now I need choices, all right? And so I, I told her it was because, hey, we got a great deal. You know, we've got internet and we're paying this much for internet. You know, we had this deal on internet. It's like $59 a month for, for internet. And they, they called me and they gave a great deal for just, you know, $62 a month. We can have, we can have 200 channels of cable television. So we got 200 something channels and then you know what I was doing yesterday flipping through the guide I wonder what's on so I said man it takes a long time to get through 200 channels when you're used to just going through three right so we got so much we we got so much going on we got so much going in our life and then the social pressure to keep up keep up and do and have what everybody else has and what everybody else is doing and then we're trying to impress people that we don't like and they don't like us, and we're trying to impress people to, and, and have what they have. And if, if we just knew behind the scenes, they, they wish they could get rid of what they had because it's costing. Right? And so the, the, the social pressure to, to have what, what everyone else has. You know, a, a recent statistic said that the average working American is spending 117% of their income. That also, let me, let me rephrase that another way, broke. If you're spending 117% of what you're bringing in, guess what? You're broke. And, and that may be doable if you have some savings, but mo most Americans aren't saving anything. Why? Because they're spending 117%. Well, you're going in the hole every week, and, and it's going in the hole, and it's going on a credit card. And how many of you, you got to pay the credit card. And then, oh, it's only this X amount of month. Yeah, you can pay the minimum payment. It's going to take you 30 years to get the thing paid off. And so all these things, they, they cause stress in our life. And so here, here's, here's something we need to realize. We can't have it all. And we can't do it all. I, I remember uh, uh, Jerry Jones right before you know Cowboy, the new Cowboy Stadium opened, and I, th if I'm, I think I'm right that that it was a two billion dollar project. Was that right? Like two billion? Anybody remember it? Like two billion dollars? And uh, somebody saw him. He had a flip phone in his hand. Not not an iPhone. A flip phone. Y'all know what a flip? Y'all know what a flip phone is? It's a phone that doesn't do anything but make phone calls, which is, which is ingenious. I mean, it's just genius. I mean, you've got a phone, you just make phone calls on. And so, so somebody said, why don't you have a smartphone? He said, well, you can't, you can't build a $2 billion football stadium and have a smartphone. In other words, you can't have it all. You can't have a, you can't have a three or four or five or six or seven, $800 smartphone and build a $2 billion football stadium. You can't have it all. 
And you can't do it all. And I, I know that may, that may go against our ego if we think we can do it all, but you can't have it all, and you can't do it all. You just simply can't. And it might be doable for a little while, but it's not sustainable. And so if we want to deal with the stress in our life, I'm not just talking about coping with stress. I'm talking about dealing with it. I'm killing it. Killing the stress in our life. We've got to realize we can't do it all. We can't have it all. Okay, is that all right? So let me give you two lists this morning. I want, to give you, I want to give you a list of three principles. And principles are no good if there's no actions to them. So I, I can give you principle in theory all morning long, but if I don't give you an action step of how to do this Monday morning, it's not going to do any good. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a list of principles, and I'm going to give you a, li- a list of practices. So, so principles and practices. If you just get the principles out of this, you're going to just, you, you'll be able to tell somebody the principle, but it's not going to do you any good. So you've got you, you to you get the principle. You've got to buy into the principle of it, but then you've got to incorporate the practices in your life. So here's, here, let me give you the list of the principles. The first one is this. The first one is this. and Let me talk to you about having a better life. So if you want a better life, you've got to really embrace these principles. And here's the first one. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. It's better to have less. Everybody say it's better to have less. Let me say it's okay to have less. You don't have to say that part, but it's okay less. So it's better to have less of what, it's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. More of what does. So, uh, you know, less TV is better. Would you agree? Less TV? Matter of fact, you're going to spend 13 years of your life watching TV. What a great use of time. You'll spend 13 years of your life watching TV. You'll spend five years waiting in line. Restaurants. Restaurants. How many of you, if you have to wait, waiting an hour in line for food, there ain't no food that good. I'm, I'm sorry, they're just, I've never tasted food good enough to say, oh man, I'm so glad I, I, I waited in line, stood here for an hour. I've done it before, but how many of that stresses you out waiting in line for an hour? When are they going to call my name? Go see where we are on the list. Now I realize if you eat at Crystal, you don't have to wait in line. You just go in or Taco Bell. Matter of fact, None of you should eat at Taco Bell. Jesus said, don't eat at Taco Bell. That's what he said. <clears throat> he told me that years ago. I was, I was in the drive through line at Taco Bell, and, and I ordered my food. And one of the strongest times he's ever spoke to me, he said, don't ever, ever eat here again. Now, that's for me. That might not be for you. He just told me don't eat, but I can't imagine it being. Where I'm for Taco Bell. I hope they prosper and, and everything else. All right. <clears throat> You're going to go to 35 weddings. Now, doesn't that sound edifying? 35 weddings. You're going to drive 625,000 miles in your car. That's 25 times around the globe. That's a lot of driving. That's a lot of driving. That's a lot of gas, too. Notice this verse in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 6. He says, and... and this is wisdom here. Everybody say wisdom. Now the world won't tell you that world will tell you that more is better, but notice what 
Notice what wisdom says. Better, talking about how to have a better life, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Everybody say better one handful. Yeah, but I got two hands. I got two hands, so I got two hands. I might as well have two handfuls. No, he said better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls. And, 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 you know, there's just no joy. It's just toil. One handful. But most people are living life with two handfuls. Right? And, and, and they're wondering why they're stressed out. It's because there's no margin in their life. There's no financial margin. There's no time margin. There's no relationship margins and boundaries. There's just no margin in their life. They're living life with two handfuls. But the wisdom says better. It's better to live your life with one handful. One handful. How many of you know if you have one car, you have one car to keep up with? If you got two cars, you got two cars to keep up with. If you got three cars, you got three cars to keep up and keep up with. So it just, everything gets more complex, more complex, more complex. Society, I mean, well, we'll get to it in a minute. All right, so anyway, uh, better one handful. So how, how, what do you have in your hands? Do you have one handful or do you have two handfuls? Are you just stretched to the max on everything? Or do you, have some free, do you have some freedom? Do you have some margin? And people are spending 117% of their income. That's two handfuls. That's three handfuls, and you don't even have three hands. Just, just completely stretched out. So that's principle number one. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and have more of what does. The second principle is this. It's better to live by design, not by default. It's better to live by design and not by default. In other words, you're living your life with purpose. You're living in your lane. You know what I mean by that? You, you know what you're supposed to be doing, and that's where you're living life in your lane. You're not living your life all over the place. You're living life in your lane. You're living according to your purpose. Let me say it like this. You're living life intentionally. You're living life intentionally. You remember, uh, we talked about this in the beginning of the year. We just talked about living intentionally, living life on, on, on purpose. Our life goes in multiple directions. And just think about what the, as your life goes, so goes your energy. So if, if your life is going in a whole bunch of different directions, your energy, your, what you have to contribute is going in all different kind of directions, so every different direction that you're going in, you're diluting all the other directions. So if we can bring our life into focus and do fewer things, then we have more strength, we have, no, we, we have more ability, we have more uh, energy to put into fewer things and, instead of diluting all things. Is that right? You understand? Now, this, this is, I know this is practical, but we'll see if we can get spiritual here in a minute. So, nine out of ten people, in other words, nine out of the ten people in this room live and die 
Well, not in this room because we all discover our purpose here, but nine out of 10 people will live their whole life and die and never discover what it is that God had for them. Well, then that means you're living by default. You're not living by design. You're just whatever comes up, whatever, and just living by default, not living by design. One, Psalm 139.16 says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you know that God, the creator, the designer, the maker, the architect, he, had, he has a plan for your life? Jeremiah 29.11 says it like this, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. He's got plans for it. They're, they're, they're plans to, to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope, not plans for disaster. So God has a plan for your life. All your days are written in a book before one of them has ever come to pass. So that's the principle. And, you, and, and we, need to, we need to embrace this principle that it's better if I live life by design. It's better if I find out my purpose, why am I here, why did God make me? It's better for me to find out my purpose and live in my lane. It's better. It'll make life better, and it'll make life less stressful or eliminate stress from your life when, you, when you're living your life by design. So all your days, <clears throat> God had a plan for you. They're written in a book. So we ought to find out what's in the book. If there's a book written about you, if God has recorded a book, it's got your name on it. You need to find out what's in the book and then live your life according to that. You know, that's why we have starting point, which we have the step one is today. I mean, what a great day to jump into starting point. And so during our 11 o'clock service right back here in the administrative offices, we have starting point. And starting point is the, the sole purpose of starting point is to help you discover your purpose while you were born. And so we'll walk you through just four weeks, four weeks to help you discover your purpose. You don't have to go to this. It's not every Sunday for the rest of your life. Four Sundays, four classes, and we'll help you discover your purpose so you can live your life by design and not by default. So if you've never been through starting point, I want to encourage you, go today at 11 o'clock right back here in the administrative offices. All right. Here's the third principle. <clears throat> It's better to get the right things done, <clears throat> not just more things done. You know, a lot of us, we think that we are, we are being successful, we're being effective if we just do more things. If we, now, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of being organized and scatterbrained. I, I'm somewhere in the middle. I, I like organization, and I like... I like task lists sometimes, but not all the time. So I'm kind of right in the middle, but I, sometimes we get the idea that if, if I check off enough things on my list, I'm being effective. And so if I can just write down more things on this list, and I can check off more things every day, well then <clears throat> it's, it's effective. But really we need to make sure we're getting the right things done not just more things done. Years ago, I read a book by Stephen Covey called The Seven 
uh, seven habits of highly effective people. And in this book, he talks about it, the importance when you're, you know, when life planning and planning your calendar. It's important to, and, and he gave the, the illustration of, of a jar and rocks and sand. And so he said, you can get more in the jar if you start off by putting the big rocks in first. If you put the sand in first, you're not going to get as many big rocks in there. But if you put the big rocks in, well, then you can pour all the little stuff all around the big rocks. And so what he was saying is, is that the most important things represent, or the big rocks represent the most important things, the right things. And so you get the right things in the jar first, right? You, you schedule the right things first, and then, there, then there'll be plenty of time left over for all the things that maybe they're not, they're, they're not necessarily wrong things, but they're kind of unimportant things. If, if you did them, fine, like watch TV or go to the movie, they're not wrong things, but they may, they may not be the most important things. So you get the right thing. You do, it's important for us to do the right things, not just more things. Everybody say the right things. <clears throat> and so let me, let me review. If we're going to live a better life, if we're going to live a better life, we're going to have to live life intentionally. And... If I'm going to live a better life, I have to live my life as a one-handful person, not a two-handful person. Everybody say, less is okay. Less is okay. It's okay. I, sometimes I, I have this website saved on my computer, and I forget the name of it, but it's about this minimalist. The, it's got, there's a minimalist movement going on now where people are... Tr they're downside. Some of you probably like that show Tiny House or whatever. That's kind of part of the movie. And people are saying, let's see if we can live in 150 square feet instead of 3,000 square feet. You know, so, and then along with that, it says, you know, instead of having a whole wardrobe, really, you only need, you really only need one shirt a day, one, you know, one pair of pants a day. Well, if you only need one a day, well, then you probably really only need two outfits forever. Because you wear one one day and then wash it and then wear it. And so I, I, don't, I, I don't do that, but, but it's kind of, people are, they're trying to rein in. They're wanting to rein in because life gets complicated and it gets complex and then you, you lose your joy and you get stressed out. I mean, any of you women ever get stressed out about what you're going to wear? Don't lie. <clears throat> what am I going to wear today? And then pretty soon you're in tears. I have nothing to wear. And man, you got clothes falling all off the hangers in the closet. And <clears throat> I don't have anything to wear. Got stuff with tags still on it. I don't have anything to wear. <clears throat> what shoes am I going to wear with this outfit? I don't know. You got 470 pair. pair. I'm sure one's going to work. One pair is going to work out, I'm sure. Just pick one. <clears throat> Everybody say less is okay. Now, most guys can get away. They can get away with a pair of blue jeans and a T-shirt, and they're like, you can't wear that T-shirt every day. You can't wear that T-shirt every day. Why not? It, it's working. It's working for me. 
So one handful person. Have to, we have to embrace the fact that, that we have, there's an, I'm an ordained, I'm an ordained minister of the gospel. That means I can marry, I can bury, you know, I, and so I'm, I'm ordained. Well, you're ordained to something too. God has ordained something for your life. He's got a plan for your life. So we've got to embrace the fact that, that God has an, has an ord, preordained plan for my life. And then number three, I need to execute well. I need to not just do more things. I need to do the right things. So in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, this is a great scripture. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders. You see, this gets into the action part. This gets into practices. Let us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin. Now, the sin part, that's the obvious part we need to throw off, right? I mean, the adultery, the fornication, the, the stealing, the covetousness, the, the idolatry. Well, those are sin, and those are the obvious things we need to throw off. But he said, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin. So everything that hinders may not be a sin, but it can be a hindrance to your life. And so we, let, let's talk about this. So we need to throw off these hindrances. So I want to show you how to do this. Number one, and this is important, that you ought to take regular inventory of your life. There, there ought to be a time where you sit down and you just, that you just reflect on the last week or you reflect on the last month. And you say, how did I do? And how am I doing in my marriage? How am I doing with my finances? How am I doing with my physical health? How am I doing with my time? And, and then make a list and just and have an inventory of how you're doing. We've got to take we've got to take inventory. Psalm 39 verses four and five says, "Lord, remind me how brief, how brief, how short my time on earth will be." Remind me. Let's just pray that prayer right now. Just say, just say, Lord, remind me how short my time on earth is. He says, so remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. So let me, let me just tell you what he means here. Now, a lot of people, they, they pull this scripture out of Hebrews. It says, it's appointed unto man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. And they, th and they think that scripture reads, it's appointed unto man a day to die. That, that God has this preordained day that you're supposed to die. That, that's not the truth. That's not the truth. God doesn't have a calendar day that you're supposed to die. He says, all your days are numbered. All that simply means is that, hey, you and I aren't going to live forever on this earth. We're not going to be on this earth forever. Actually, the scriptures say there's things that you and I can do to lengthen our days. And then there's things that we'll do that will shorten our days. As a matter of fact, Ephesians, if you're reading the one-year Bible with it, I mean, uh, our, our one chapter a day out of the New Testament every Monday through Friday, Ephesians 6. We just read it a couple of days ago. He said, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And it's the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, 
and that you will live long on the earth. So if you want to live long on the earth, you honor your mother and your father. Well, if you don't honor your mother and your father, they're going to kill you. It's going to be short. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> but you see, there's things that you can do to lengthen your days, and then there's things you can do to shorten your days. Psalm 91, he says, with long life, I'll satisfy you. So I'm just saying this. God doesn't have a particular calendar day that you're going, that you're going to just die. That's not what that verse is saying. It's not what it's saying. You, there, there's things that you can do to lengthen your days. I mean, God wants you to live to a ripe old age. I mean, just long on the earth, long. Now, I happen to believe that man's days are to be 120. You know, uh, when Israel was in rebellion, you see, they, people were living up to, you know, 900-something years, Methuselah, 969 years, and, and then... Uh, <clears throat> God said, my spirit's not going to always strive with man. He looked on the earth and how it was corrupt and the imagination of their heart was just evil. He said, so man's days are going to be uh, 120. And then Israel, they got into rebellion with God and he said, no, you're going to live to 80 or 90 now. And so God, and he, he was speaking 80 or 90 years to a rebellious people. They're, I mean, they weren't even... They weren't even following God. So I happen to believe that, that our days should be about 120 years, somewhere around there. That's old. But even if you were to live to 120, I want you to think about how short that really is. In the scope of all eternity, all eternity past and all eternity future, how, how much is 120 years? It would barely show up as a blip on the radar. On the timeline. I mean, it'd be good. Boop, and it's gone. And that's why the word says that your life is a vapor. It appears for a little time and then it just vanishes away. Then it's gone. It's like a, it's like a blade of the grass that springs up, grows up, and then it withers away. So even if you were to live 120 years, your life is short. So we need to ask the Lord, remind me, remind me. How brief my time on earth is. Why? Because you can only get done on this earth what you can get done while you're on this earth. And then you can't do anything else. Thank you all for that enthusiasm right there. So anyway, we need, we, we need to realize, we need to live that we're not going to be here forever. If we're going to make a mark, we need to make the mark right now. We need to do it. We need to do it right now so we need to take regular inventory and how am i doing this series because every every day that goes by you can never get it back every minute that goes by you can never get it back it's gone many times an opportunity that we allow to pass by is an opportunity we we can't always get back so we need to we need to buy up every opportunity as it comes, we need to take advantage of every day. We need to do the right things every day. We need to take inventory. Number two, the second practice is this. We need to make tough decisions. We need to make tough, tough decisions about relationships and how many of you know that relationships can make you or they can break you. Matter of fact, you show me the, the five closest people to you, and I can tell you what the tra trajectory of your life is going to be over the next 10 years. 
And so it's, it's who you got around you. So you, you have to make some tough decisions. I'm not talking about with you. Here's a, here's a decision you need to make in your marriage that we're going to make it work no matter what. You know, there's, <clears throat> in honor of mine and Tammy's 23 anniversary, I'll just say this. It hadn't always been easy. And anyone who's ever said that we've never, there's never been conflict in marriage, they're, they're just lying to you. Or they, just, or they just live so separate lives that there's never any conflict, that there's never any managing that. But <clears throat> we wouldn't have scriptures on about how to, how to live in marriage if we ever weren't going to ever have problems in marriage. And so Tammy and I made a decision before we ever got married. Now let me just say this. God hates divorce, but divorce is not the unpardonable sin. God will forgive you. He forgives that, but he hates it. And a lot of folks, they, they get divorced because they think it's the easy way out. If I do this, it's convenient and it's easy to get out of it. But, oh, but man, it, it's with you forever. It's not easy. So we made this decision that we would never even bring the word up. Not in our, our, our most heated conversations. Not in, in, not in our... Our, not in the times that we had our strongest disagreements would we ever allow, allow that word to come out of our mouth. We would never joke about it. We would never tease about it. We'd never manipulate with it. Why? Because for us, it just, it's not going to be an option. We're going we're to work this thing out no matter what comes. No, no matter what we face, we're going to work it out. And so that's a tough decision. And if you've been married for two years or more, you realize that's a tough decision. Because it, it, it doesn't take too long in marriage. You realize, man, we got two personalities here. we got two different people. And two different people trying to come together and be one. And I got my way. I like it. And she's got her way that she likes it, and they're not the same, and we got to figure this thing out. So I'm saying that to say this. If you're married, you got a tough decision to make in your marriage. And the biggest tough decision, we're going to make this thing work. We're going to make it work out. We're going to fight for our marriage. Sometimes that's a tough decision. We're going to fight for it. I mean, we're going to fight for it. We're, we're going to fight for it. And the Holy Spirit's talking to somebody right now about that. You, you've, got to, you've got to fight for it. You've got to dig your heels in and fight. You've got to dig in and fight. You've got to dig in and fight. You've got to dig in and fight and just you say, we're, we're going to make it. We are going to make it. We're going to make this. We're going to make it. And then there might be some other tough decisions with relationships. And, and these might work better if you would do it before you get married and break things off. I read a book not too long ago called Necessary Endings. And it's just about boundaries in relationships and, and when it's time to, to cut people off from your life that are toxic. You know, there are toxic people that you can't help. 
Oh, I can help them. I'm spirit-filled and I'm full of the word. They don't want help. God can't help them. <laughs> Are you listening? Oh, God can help. No, he can't. He, he can't help them. People, you know what? People can't be helped until they want to be helped. And it's not all of your wisdom and what you know. Oh, I got the right thing to say to them. It's not what you have to say. It's what can they receive? What will they receive? And so there comes a time you just got to cut people off. You got you to untie the rope and just let them go. That's fun to talk about. <clears throat> Number three. And this is what, what, this is what we're getting to. We got we to gotta focus on what matters most. You know, there's some things that matter, and there are some things that don't matter. Some of mine and Tammy's probably most, I would say, probably our most heated arguments. We call them discussions. have been over at things when you, when you stand back and look at it and observe it, it don't matter. What? I mean, okay. So I left my socks and my underwear on the bathroom floor for the 50th time. Is it really that big of a deal? If you want them picked up, just pick them up. I'll never say that, <clears throat> by the way. Or, you know, how somebody squeezes the toothpaste or which direction the toilet paper rolls out. Does it come over the top or does it come under? What? Well, I don't like, but does it really matter? And I know those things are kind of silly, but just think, think about, we, we need to focus on what really matters. What really matters in life? Mississippi State game yesterday really doesn't matter. I had to leave the house and I was, I was irritated, but it really doesn't matter. I mean, how can you lose to a team? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> how can you lose to a team that nobody's ever heard of? I've never even heard of the University of South Alabama. Does it really matter? Who cares if Alabama lost? I mean, who cares? What matters? God matters. God matters. A relationship with God matters in your life. A, a, a relationship with Him, it just matters. And I know we would, all, we would all say that, and you know, the, the scriptures, Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things be added to you. And we all could quote that verse. Most of us in here could quote that verse. Yes, seek God first, put God first. But are we doing that? Do we, do we put him first? Does God matter in our life? Does he matter? I'm not going to take time to read these other scriptures. You can read them, but you know, just... Do you have time with God? And, you, and it, doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be an extraordinary amount of time. 
We talked about this last week. I mean, you're just reading your one chapter a day, Monday through Friday, out of the New Testament. If you're not doing that, you can pick up tomorrow with us. We'll be reading Galatians chapter 2. It'll take you three minutes and about three and a half minutes, three minutes and 30 seconds to read one chapter. And that's reading it right. That's not, that's not speed reading. That's just, I mean, just reading and taking it in and read. Three and a half minutes. And taking five or ten minutes to pray. Do you know if you did that every day, you say, well, that's not much. That, I don't even know if I'm getting anything done. If you do that every single day, do you realize that in, in 30 days, your life will be in a whole different place than it is today? What, me just spending 10 minutes a day with God? Absolutely. Your life will be, and anybody can do that. You, you will be in a whole different place in 30 days if you'll do that. Whole different place. So, so God matters. Put your relationship with God before anybody and anything. Before you, I know how much you love your wife and your newlyweds. and I know, put God before anybody. Yeah, but my wife wants me to do this in the morning. Tell your wife to hold on. And you're going to spend time with God. Because that'll do your marriage good. That'll do your life good. I mean, you're talking about getting the stress out, putting him first, because before you start your day, God has something to say to you. But you've got to put yourself in a position. Number two, people matter. People matter. It's not that people don't matter. People matter a great deal. Your, your life consists of people. Your, your, wife, your life consists of a web of relationships. And people matter. The, the Galatians 5 says this, that we're to serve one another in love. You've got to have some people that have your back. Ecclesiastes says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. You need people in your life doing life with. You need to be in a small group. Everybody needs to be in a small group. Why? Because somebody, you need to stand back to back. You say, well, I come to church on Sunday, and I, and I see somebody's back. That's not the same as being back to back. You need a group. You need a support system. You need somebody that can be there with you, that can fight with you. So people matter. Guess what else matters? Eternity matters. Your life is short. We, we pray, Lord, remind me. Remind me how short my life on earth is. But what happens to, after life on earth? Eternity. And because you're a spirit created in the image of God and spirits never die, you will live somewhere eternally. Forever. You'll be conscious You'll know what's going on. You'll have memory of what happened on the earth while you're on the earth. And so, but you'll be in eternity, and that's forever. And that's forever and ever 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 and ever. It'll be forever. But the only way that you can really determine where you're going to spend eternity is the decision that you make while you're on the earth. So you got to make the decision on the earth, and that decision will depend, determine where you'll spend eternity, eternity, 
it matters. So with that in mind, I want to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I ask that you would just speak to people right now all over this room. Let them see and let us realize that, that our time on earth is short. And let us see and realize and understand that eternity comes afterwards. And that the decision that we either make to follow Christ today or reject Christ today will determine where we will spend all eternity. So I ask that you would draw people to yourself right now. If you're in here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never made that decision to follow him with all of your heart, but you want to do that today because you want to make the right decision for eternity. I want to pray for you today. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front, and I'm not going to ask you to stand, but right there in your seat, you say, please pray for me. I want to make sure that I got eternity right. Just lift your hand right now. We'll pray for you. Anyone in the room? Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. I'm looking across the room. Anyone else? Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Great decision. Good decision. Good decision. Anyone else? Looking across the room. Thank you so much. Hey, let's say everybody pray this prayer together out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, come into my heart and life. Be my Savior and be my Lord. Amen. Church, let's give these a real big hand, all right?